Yo, Hi. what's good? How are yeah, you? A, I'm good. That's a fly headband you got going on there. Covering my big ass forehead. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what Miss is doing right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yo, it is so hot. I'm dying. Yeah, that water looks real good right now. I saw that it was like over like 90 in Pennsylvania or something like that. Yo, it yeah, it's like around 90 right now. It's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just heat, and of course I'm in the hottest room. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is like the only good place to go. So here we are. Bless. <laughs> so, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, start it off, run through run through the spiel, and then we'll just hop in. Sounds good. So, welcome everybody to Alternative Blacks. We have a very special episode uh, today with uh, you know it's just me. Um, Tyler's off being important in Reading, doing uh, real cool, you know, important things. So I'm going to be joined by three uh, wonderful guests today um, to talk about various uh, various things. Um, my beer today, uh, what I'm drinking is Double Tickle Parts from Levante Brewing, Levant Brewing. I know you're not a big uh, beer drinker yourself, Correct. BJ, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, this was given to me actually at Mary's six pack, um, in Reading, um, 835 Heaster's Lane. Mm -hmm. Um, they have so much good craft beer there, but, uh, the, the, uh, the new beer guy there, Adam, he, he gave this to me personally. So shout out to Mary's, uh, for the hookup because this beer is amazing. And of course, also shout out to Oak Brook Brewing, um, out in, near Oak Brook, um, right off of Lancaster Ave in Reading, uh, day one supporters. Uh, they, they're still delivering. Uh, the food is amazing. Nice. Lots of cheese on them sandwiches. Great beer, so check them out too. Bless. Uh, but let's, let's get into a little uh, introduction to a man that shouldn't need an introduction, <laughs> Mr. Mr. BJ, which I never liked that name. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I have to put that disclaimer out. <laughs> I didn't like that name. I was like, oh, it's kind of racist. Come on. <laughs> it's like once you find out what it stands for, you're like, oh, no, it's even worse than I imagined. <laughs> no, that is, that is so true. Uh, John Alsop is here all the way from the Midwest. How, how are things out in the Midwest? Um, you know. We're we're hanging in there. Um, temperature wise, it's a lot better than the East Coast right now. So I am not jealous of you in that sense. By any <laughs> it is so it is so humid around here. It's crazy. It was seventy seven and it felt like a hundred. Yeah, that's the part that kills when it's like super humid. Yeah, exactly. So Chicago's a little less crazy than uh, than PA is right now in that in that department. Yeah, it's it, it getting super cold up there, doesn't it? Um. It's like one week, and it's like in the negatives, and then it goes away, and then most of the time it matches the northeast, so it's fine. No, no, no. So you can't just like gloss over a week it's of negatives. week. <laughs> Is that when you take vacation, you just stay inside and don't move? <laughs> oh man, but we we wanted to we wanted you to join and talk to you one because you're a day one supporter, and um, I think the video that you put out. <laughs> last week is like the perfect example of why we want you on the show and just uh, just to give your opinion on things. Um, with everything that's been going on, um, you mentioned 
having to have all these discussions around race, um, gender, orientation, and everything in between. Um, can you just kind of expound upon kind of the challenges or the people that you've, uh, that you've encountered? Is it very often? Is it just few and far between in your experience? Um, the, the interesting part I'll, I'll start off by saying is that looking at what, if we're going to go back a little bit, for yeah. example, Trump with the, his election in 2016, we saw things that were underlying and some believe that were there, maybe the prevalence of it we weren't sure of. And this um, time period with, with George Floyd is another revealing of what's going on. And the interesting part is that we're starting to see a lot of people who believe that they're liberal, liberal and progressive, and they're being challenged in a way that they haven't been before. And it's very interesting to see which ones are willing to say, I'm here and I'm going to listen because clearly I haven't been listening and which ones are like on the background like no no you're just you're separating yourself you just you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're too much or all this stuff so it's very interesting to see how this like push and pull even on my own like timeline and newsfeed is happening between um people that are quote-unquote liberal in particular yeah that's very that's very true because you know it is it is that sense of being being challenged to actually step up to the plate as someone who doesn't go through the same struggles um, in this country or in this system. Yeah. You, know, you enjoy, not necessarily that you enjoy benefits, but you don't enjoy the, dis you don't, you don't experience the disadvantages um, of the other, of these people that you say that you're behind and that you agree with on a political stance, yeah. civil stance. Um, so, it, it is it is a very revealing time. Um, it's almost like peeling back um, another layer of onion, you know. Yeah, le legitimately. And and it's and it smells just as bad as an onion too. Yeah, right, and it'll make you cry. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> and it's 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 interesting because um, have you had to have you had to check or you know talk with people that you've known forever and this never really hit. And now all of a sudden, this is out there, and it's and it's something you have to address. Um, how have you been handling that? Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I try to do my best to avoid, um, you know, the comment section for people. And like the conversation, obviously, is coming out now about echo chambers and like, you know, having people, and you're only seeing your side of the story. Um, and for me, that was majority, so it was less of an issue because people are posting the same things, people have the same reactions for the most part that I'm friends with. So for me, it's more of like seeing and feeling and hurting it. The interesting part is like when I'm scrolling and I'm seeing people that are commenting on their posts saying, I just don't understand that or like what I don't get is, and the part that hurt me or that really bothered me was a friend that posted like black lives matter. And then someone came to their comments. They're like, this is nonsense. Like all lives matter. Black lives are not better than other lives, which anyone that knows what the founders said about black lives movement, what people in the black lives movement are saying it stands for know that that is one of the biggest misconceptions that's out there. Um, and instead of him saying, you're misinformed about the information here, let me inform you about what this really means and why this should matter to you. He was like, well, I guess that's a good point. And like, <laughs> after, after a few exchanges, I was like, what do you mean that's a good point? I, I was like, I will not be silent. So I had to like take away. <laughs> but it was so interesting. Like he felt comfortable enough to post the Black Lives Matter 
without a proper understanding of what the movement meant. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's a comfortability that a lot of people have when they're claiming that they're liberal. Oh, I accept gay people. Oh, I believe like black people deserve equal rights. And when it comes down to, do you know the actionable steps? Are you aware of the history and why certain things are even happening? Not even like in the past, like right now, Black Lives Matter is happening right now. And they don't, they just think it's comfortable to say, I'm not that person. I accept everyone. And it's like, no, that's not enough. And if you have the mentality, you're actually doing the opposite of what needs to be happening. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're more dangerous to social change when you're someone in a position to make a difference. Yes. And you're not doing it. And, you know, I think, I think that goes back to um, the letter from Birmingham jail with Martin Luther King, if you're familiar with that. Um, my brother Hung Do, shout out to Hung. That's like one of his favorite pieces of literature. But there's an excerpt from there that speaks on the fact that, you know, the, at, at that time, the Ku Klux Klan and all these outwardly aggressive and violent racist people, they weren't the, they weren't the real issue. The real issue were the moderates, the white moderates yeah. is what he called them. The people that were ignorant to, to it, either because they're like, you know, oh, well, that's not me. I'm not that person. But they don't do anything on the other side. It's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, okay. <laughs> it's like you're watching it happen and you could step in, but you just don't. It, it, it'd be like in a boxing match if the, if the referee of the boxing match just let, the, let the, uh, the bigger, stronger guy beat down on the smaller guy until he was completely unconscious yeah. and never stepped in. I mean, that's basically that's what you're doing. And, you know, I, I think now is the time where more than ever, like you said, people are getting getting pressed on this issue. Um, and it, it's, it's, an, it's interesting to see. And it's interesting to see where people lie and who is actually coming out in support. Um, my, my gripe with everything, though, has been like there's been, you know, it's a social media age. So there's a lot of people doing it just for like the visibility of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, we just got to kind of filter through that. But I think, you know, have you thought about or what are your thoughts on steps moving forward, action items? Do you have any thoughts on what needs to be done at the local level or, um, you know, at, at the nationwide level, other than, you know, voting out Trump or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, we're, the big thing that we're seeing now is like the importance of understanding history and how that's played into where we are today. Um, and I think a great example is like for LGBTQ plus rights. If you're looking at like in 1968, when they did a poll of like, do you support gay marriage in America? Mm -hmm. It was less than 12%. 30 years later, it was at 68% in 2018, which is like for a social change to get 50% growth is like right. unheard of and uh, i was listening to this great podcast um called hidden brain that was talking about it's because regardless of your community community these people existed so they had to face the fact they had to deal with these issues in some form or fashion and because of that now it's like there have been more progressive rights for obviously the lgbtq and it's, it's pride month so like we've been talking about like the issues of like trans deaths um conversion camps and all those things that are still going on there's a lot of work still to be done but like in terms of like 
approval or tolerance or neutral attitudes towards gay people. We've come a long way. And even the trend line shows that we've come further with understanding that issue in a short amount of time in America than we have for um, race. And even if when we get to a neutral place of, um, for people in the queer community, it'll still take extra decades before we get um, to a neutral place with race. And even more decades after that, like 128 years they're projecting for colorism to not be an issue. And we can start to look at why is it that we are able to understand more and more gay people. And it's the thing is like they are in our communities. And people had to confront the issue. They didn't have a choice. It wasn't like, I live in white suburbia. I do not have to go to the black part of town. It's like, my son just came out to me and I've raised this kid. How am I dealing with this? Oh, my uncle, my brother, people that you know. And the thing with race is like, you can a lot of times self seclude where, and I just want this opportunity for people to think like, I cannot continue to isolate myself from community groups just because of my prejudices. The value and understanding leads to so much like change. And it's, it's frustrating because it's like the people that need to interact with people, um, with black people, Latinos, Asians, they're, they're not willing to because they don't have to. And I think for us to get further, we have to find a way in which we can have safe interactions for obviously these minority people that have been oppressed um for them to come to us i i think we've done enough on our end i think it's time for them to pick up the baton <laughs> that, that is that is so true um uh, but it, it's very interesting what you say what you brought up in terms of you know the 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 amount of progress that was made in the lgbtq plus front over over so many decades and you know it's still not at a place where it should be um, but it has made more progress than the racial side of things. Yeah. And I think that speaks to your point and what you were getting at in terms of like getting out and actually challenging these people um, to, you know, to actually take action, the people that wouldn't normally be affected by this. You know, unfortunately yeah. with race, it's like, you know, you, you if, if uh, you know, you can't just, if you're white, you can't just, give birth to a black kid and yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. black kid now you know your kid isn't going to come out as black out of nowhere it's it's something that is you know very compartmentalized and you can make it that way yeah. in society you can't really compartmentalize sexual orientation because yeah. it's not it's not um it's not based on you like your genealogy from from your family and it's not based and it's not visually based. Like you can't just look at someone and, and say, you know, what, what their sexual preference is. Yep. Therefore you can't compartmentalize the same and it's infiltrated to the point where you have to deal with it in this moment. And are you going to cast them aside or are you going to recognize them as people worthy of everything else that you're worthy of yeah. in life? So that that's a really interesting comparison. It's something I never really thought about, um, because you know it wasn't so. It's you know it's kind of that thing. It's not something that I was, you know, having to experience. Yeah, in terms or something of that like our school thought necessary to teach. 
And that that's 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 very true. Um, in the last leg of our discussion, let's talk about that. Let's talk about you know in the educational system. You know we don't really we don't really get taught about racial. Um, we don't really get taught about racial tolerance and understanding and sexual tolerance and understanding. Yeah, you kind of you're kind of thrown to the wolves on those things, and these are such deep, um, profound issues for people growing up that they and they don't really get a good chance to um, to go through and process these things in a good safe space yeah. when when they're growing up, especially in underprivileged communities. Yes. I mean what, what do you what I mean what do you think about the climate at Reading High when we were there, you know? Yeah. Like there there's so it's it's so interesting. I'm trying to remember I definitely did not have a conversation about like blackface history in America in at Reading High. Um mm -hmm. which, you know, leads us to understand why um like appropriation is happening at the level that it is in different and different realms. There's so many connections that could be made to um, the students, many students at that school who need to understand this history or people that could be perpetrators of that are lacking the understanding and the cultural relevance or historical like evidence to support like why you need to be more well-rounded in this. And, and, and it goes back to truly looking at like where we are today. I think a good part is like South Africa with apartheid. If we're looking at that and the government is saying like, we've done a wrong and how that country has advanced. Now there's plenty of issues in South Africa still, um, just as there's issues still in the UK, but racism presents itself very differently in those. But the way, um, UK is a little different, but the way like the acknowledgement of what happened um, is something huge and I think people forget like countries have like apologized to their people for doing this. And some of them, the, the issue is like having them the follow up of like, here's how economically we can help your communities for fucking them over. <laughs> um, but it's like, without that understanding of, cause then you just think, well, it's a thing that doesn't happen. You're like, no, there's, it's happened in other countries. Other countries are talking about sexual health in a very real and powerful way that is changing the levels of teenage pregnancies dramatically. And so, many other topics which they don't feel needs to be covered and, and it's and that's the part that's like truly baffling because we're yeah. to a point where we know the information we need to be teaching people so they can be making better decisions yeah i think the paradigm shift there needs to be a bigger emphasis on these types of things actually you know on civil civil rights issues on sexual health issues and just kind of identifying with your with you know identifying yourself and knowing yourself and understanding yourself when you're growing up you know i think we're we're really hit on that rigid like math literature you know science and then you know that kind of you know take this test yeah. And now you're educated and then you get thrown out into the world and you still don't know yourself two decades into your life. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people get lost. Um, especially if they don't have the resources, the material resources to make something of yeah, themselves. To do that. To do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, you know, it, it, and, and, and it's such a complex issue. I don't know that there's really an easy an easy solution for it. Um, 
what would you what would you what would you think um or, or what would you suggest be the the changes made um to the educational system do you think it's only the educational system do you think there should be more um you know there should be more support in the communities themselves as I, well i think it starts I, I think the easiest thing that we can do and that should be started from an elementary school level is the ability to research and um, understand news, what's fake, what's real, who are the main trusted sources in the US and what ways besides libraries can we find data and historical um, information? Because if you think about, we're in a different time period and we're not using advances of it because I remember yelling at someone, I was like, we have access, he, was, he called me an elitist, but I was like, you are on Facebook right now, so you have internet, which means you could go to Google right now and search, what does blank mean? And obviously it's a hot topic. So it's like, instead of just coming up with your own conclusion based on nothing, why don't you look it up and then like read an article? And sometimes it's like, I don't know how to do it. Or sometimes it's not the first thing you think of. I think we need to start instilling in our generation, like when you don't know something, you're curious about something, you not only ask someone, but you read something. And if you can get people into that habit, especially when you can make it like quick and snappy. And I think it's also a partnership with media um, and, and finding ways where it's like, I know for the New York Times, they have like five, I get this email every morning. It's like five quick things. And each thing is like only one paragraph and it can keep me updated. And it's like, in what way can we have that for our students? Because like the, when you can ingrain that in them, they will start to say, oh, I will make informed opinions based on data, based on anecdotal evidence. And like, that's, that's truly what we need. Not people making decisions ba purely based on emotion. Absolutely. So that, that that that's awesome. Um, I really appreciate you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Uh, I know we're moving quick here, but we'll get you on for a full episode soon. Whenever you're back in, uh, not in the states, you all the way out there. But it feels yeah. like you. Just out of the <laughs> It'll happen soon <laughs> So we'll get you. We'll get you on for a more in-depth conversation. But I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. And uh, stay stay cool out there in Chicago. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, BJ, peace out. All right, see you, Chris. All right, guys. So that was our first guest, BJ, out of Chicago. BJ, the Chicago kid, I guess. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get on with our next guest here, uh, Biscuits and Beer, Dale Biscuits and Beer, out of uh, Brooklyn, New York. Um. As I was doing some research, really, really dope place that I have to get to very, very soon. Um, but uh, hey, how's it going? What is going on? Nothing much. Just finished wrapping up the day. You know, open for business. We closed. We've been open from twelve to seven Thursday through Sunday. So we wrapped up business, cleaning up. You know, how, just. How How's it been with all the uh, with all the restrictions going on? Well, you know, we we closed for the most part um, in March, mid March through April, and the majority of May were closed. Um, I came back two weeks ago, and we opened back up. It's been pretty good. Um, it's been different because you, you know changing the, the way we are serving and the way we we're um, moving is totally different than what was before. So it's that it's that learning curve that we're still going through, but it's it's not bad. Like it's 
two can't hang out yeah. like before. You know, the conversation that we used to the conversation we used to have with um customers coming in and out is totally different. People want to hang with you, so, but no, we can't hang right now. It was a couple yeah, more weeks, hopefully hopefully something will change. Yeah, so are you doing like outdoor seating only right now or is it just like delivery stuff? Um delivery and pick delivery and pickup is only what we do right now. Um New York the city just went to phase one okay. um two days ago. And if cases stay down and all the other metrics are met, we can go to phase two, which will allow outdoor sitting um, okay. at that point. Okay, yeah. So in PA, we just went to, we have a color, color coded, so we got red, yellow, and green. Um, okay. Once we hit yellow, we were allowed to do outdoor seating. So um, where I am in the state right now is at south, southeastern, maybe a little less than two hours out from Philly. Um, we just hit yellow last week, so we have like outdoor seating available, you know, space properly and whatnot. Um, so that, that's been interesting to see. As soon as we could go out, we went out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, it's weird. It's it's weird because it's it's not normal, and you know, it, it's really tough. I mean, how how have you guys been handling, um, you know, as a business through all of this? You know, the food industry is getting hit pretty hard uh, with all this. You know, luckily we was on an upswing before everything hit, so we had a little bit of money set aside, so we was able to pay rent. Through, you know, pay um, April's rent, rent, May rent, and June's rent. Um, like it was, it's actually a blessing. Um, the employees were not working. You know, one one employee was doing some extra stuff and getting paid here and there um, yeah. during a downturn, but in my neighborhood. Bars and restaurants, so lots of them closed for several weeks, and open. And this recently was opening back up. Um, we getting lots of love back from the community because um, people are kind of cooking at home for the most part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a. I'm. I'm not the greatest cook in the world. I can. I can survive, but you know, and I go especially when I go on Instagram and I see all these all these crazy plates that people are putting together. All these specials, I'm like, man, I got as soon as, soon as I can open up to sit down, I'm going. So that's what we did. So, so one thing that uh, we started talking about with some of the business on, like the five block radius for me, we talked about what can we do to help start driving more foot traffic over, so we can at least do some grab and go, a lot more grab and go, so we can at least bring more revenue into the pot. Because with all the protests and everything, we. It's definitely, it's a good chance you're going to see a spike in the next couple of weeks. And that might prevent us from going from phase one to phase two because of the spike of um, cases. So we're trying to be creative on how to bring more foot traffic on, on, on down our, on down Notion Avenue. Like, you know, we started talking about just inviting artists to put, start displaying their art on the street. So we can get, and doing like a um, Friday, Saturday night um, art crawl. And having people pop in, in and out from the bars and restaurants in the, on, in the front, on Notion Avenue, just trying to like pull something, you know. Like, and also to engage the community. Because it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard living in a um, apartment in the city. I was down yeah. south for the past two months because um, that's where I'm from originally. And it's like, you know, I came from a three bedroom house. They came back to my three bedroom apartment. It's like, oh, 
This is small. <laughs> like, I, 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 I really live like this. <laughs> you know, that's something that, uh, that I wanted to ask you about, though, is, you know, the community engagement. Um, yes. Because my view is not owning a business, but my view is that, you know, the businesses in the community should be, you know, not just serving the community to what they're doing, you know, in their business, but, you know, go a little further, especially, especially um, if, if you're in an area that, you know, an underprivileged area or a black area, um, doing extra things, work, doing workshops or, or, or donating money or time or whatever the case may be. Um, is, is, uh, is that something that you're doing? Um, uh, you know, um, before all this went down, me and a young me, me and a dude named Chris Ennis we start talking about um, the lack of presence of people of color, especially black people, in the world growing. Um, and you know, he's like, we, we got tired of this. Like, I'm, I own a brewery in New York in New York State in New York City. Have to be the only black owned brewery that actually brews beer here. Um, you know. We see many. You have you have a handful of people working in front of the house or just um, driving driving um, delivery vans or doing cake cleaning in the um, industry. But you don't see many people, many of uh, people of color brewing, working administration. You know, in those different aspects. So we started talking, and when COVID hit, that's we actually had time to sit down, and we started working on a um, internship program that we're going to try. We're trying to introduce in the next three to six months. I want to when the um, city opens back up. Um, it's a great thing that our guild actually got some extra money, so they're going to help fund part of this right. internship. So this, the internship is like um, right now it's like four to five weeks. You're going to go through the brewing process, front of house process, um, back of house process, like admin stuff and marketing and production side. Um, so you can get at least touch your, get get your hands in there. And to also bring people of color into the industry, um, like the thing that we really notice, and that's from anything that's in, in life, um, exposure is the key, right? If we, if you're never exposed to something, you don't know there's a possibility. That's, that's so true. <laughs> that is absolutely true because you know what I, I've talked about it many times on on the show. Even is that you know I didn't start. One, I didn't start drinking until I was 21. Um, and that, that's, that's not even a lie. I was okay. 21. I didn't start drinking until I was 21, had no idea about good beer. Um, and I just slowly, through Tyler, um, my, my co-host and his father, um, just started getting me into craft beer. And I'm like, wow, like, I never thought I liked beer, you know, because yeah. when, you, when you grow up, when you grow up, all you see is like the older generation drinking, you know, just your macro beers, and it's all about the it's all about the same style, and yes. there's nothing really different. So, um, you know, I, I it, it exposing myself to craft beer really opened up possibilities for me, and it kind of almost yeah. opened up food too, because a lot of these places are starting to push, you know, and do more, uh, do more good food as yeah. well. So it kind of opened my palate for food as well. 
um, kind of like a, not a side effect, but like kind of like an added bonus to it. Um, yes, yes. So, yeah, I definitely think exposure is the key. Um, exposure is so important. You know, you'll never know you, you like something until you experience it. Yes. And yes. you need to have the opportunity to experience it. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, I had actually read about um, the internship. I, I, I popped in the uh, live that you were on yesterday where you were, you were talking to Chris, yeah. talking to, to Chris about it. Um, and I, I think that's a really awesome idea. I think it's really important. Um, and I'd love to see more of that. Um, I've, I've started looking into, you know, how I can financially or otherwise help black people in beer um, yes. and in general. And I think it, I think more now more than ever, it's more important to really see what we can do to help each other. Yes, we definitely need to hold hands. Like, and, that, and that's the key. Like, it's sad. It's, it's, it's upsetting that we have to have a death of another person of color, of, 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 of a melanated brother, um, to spark a movement. And on top of that, it had to be a, at a time where we were locked in. Not, not locked in, but, you know, not able to do social social things. Um, if we hold hands now and continue holding hands for the next 25, 30 years, 40 years, how long, however long it takes, we definitely can see some change. Um, and not just like everyone's saying, like just kind of another T-shirt opportunity. Like we just we need yeah. to hold hands and help each other. Um, like men, as me and Chris was talking about last night, it goes beyond beer. You know, it's like you know, if we're starting here, because this is pot, we can we feel we can affect change, and anybody else that's willing to come help that change, that is going to bleed outside of just the beer, beer craft beer world. You know. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I've always I've always likened it to like, you know, why why do you why do black people really wanna be visible and push into craft beer? And it's kind of like, well, you know, the craft beer craft beer is just another area of life that is held in a regard where there's a status attached to it because yes. it requires some type of monetary wealth or um, um, like cultural wealth, I guess. And, yeah. you know, kind of like craft, like, like good food, like higher end food, you know, normal, you know, normal people that don't have the money to go buy that food aren't going to understand the, the flavor that's going on or like the food or like the portions or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's kind of the same with craft beer. It's like, you know, could I, do I really want to buy this, you know, this pint for, you know, $8 or do I want to get, you know, five pints for $10? Mm -hmm. it's, like, it, it, it's, it's like, it's like a balancing thing. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's kind of just getting those people out there and, and and it's not just about beer, like you said. It's it really bleeds into other walks of life. You know, getting people out there that don't have the means and the experience to know or you know really ever get a chance to experience something else. It's about getting people out there in in you know into different walks of life and pushing for 
you know, opportunity for everybody. Yeah. You know, when I open my brewery, it's also, we also do gluten-free biscuits as well. Like, I really wanted to be a place of education for the um, the neighborhood I, I opened it. You know, I wanted to be welcome. I wanted to be able to offer offer something besides a Carib or any Caribbean-style um, brand beer you can think of that's normal. Like, like I want to be able to place, you come in, you try something, hopefully you find something you like. If you don't find something you like, at least you walk out with this conversation and feel that you was actually welcome inside the space. Um, so before an internship came about, I, I wanted to be an inclusive place, not just for my people of color, but, you know, open my arms to everyone. When you walk into the space, you're going to have a little real conversation. And it might be about race one day. Mm-hmm. And I get to hear what you say about how your feelings are. And I you get to hear how another customer feels about it. And you can walk out upset or you can walk out with an understanding um and that's one thing that's one that's one thing we built a culture around in the space of people come in feeling welcome and also feel free to have a uh, honest conversation about what what was going on pre-covid and post-covid absolutely man that is that's that's beautiful right there i think that's also one of the benefits of beer and and you know bar scene in general like Mm -hmm. chill bar scene in general is like you walk in and there's someone that you never knew before, that you've never seen before in your life, and you could sit down over a beer, take the tension off, and just have an honest conversation about whatever, you yeah. know, and walk out with gaining something, some kind of knowledge or understanding of another person. Yeah. It's happened to me on many, uh, many uh, occasions, and it's why I love beer, and it's why I love the craft beer scene. I just wish there was more people that looked like me in those spaces. So I really appreciate what you're doing out there. And man, as soon as I can get out there, it's on, man. Hey, you're more than welcome. You have a place to crash. I have, I do, even though my apartment is small, I do have enough. <laughs> I do have a full lot of couch in the front room. <laughs> That's all you need. Just, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a floor. I can, I'm a floor sleeper. I could do a pillow. Just give me a pillow. I'm good. I don't even need a blanket, depending right. on how hot it is. <laughs> well, you know, summer months it gets hot, so coming coming off coming um October. Yeah, yeah, October sounds perfect. Not freezing, but not too hot. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I really appreciate you uh, coming on and and talking with us. Uh, once again, I I love what you're doing for the community. Um, I I love I love the internship, and I I'm really looking forward to seeing someone grow and benefit from that internship and seeing all the other cool things that you guys are doing um, and get out there to see it in person. Yes. Like hopefully this can, once we get this to catch on, we can make this go to state to state to state, you know? Oh, oh yeah. International state to state international. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Nice talking to you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right, man, bye. All right. That was Chris from Biscuits and Beer. Second guest on tonight. We're about to get into our third guest here. As soon as we connect here. All the way from the West Coast. Joining us joining us late. And uh, Harry, is my uh, is my audio better now? Got this fan going. 
because it's so damn so damn hot in here. Nice. What's up? What's good? What's up, guys? Hey, thank you guys for having me. Can you guys hear me okay? I know there was some audio trouble earlier. Yeah, I, yeah, I can hear you good. Um, you at you out at the brewery right now? Yeah, man. We just finished up our live stream. We try to do a live stream every week just to. Uh, you know, link up with the community members and, you know, see what's going on and we share our ventures in brewing beer. Awesome. So you, so Oak Park Brewing, right? Out in, out in Sacramento? Yeah, Sacramento's hot right now, homie. <laughs> I'm turning up, man. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how is it out, out, out in California? You're from, you're from, you're from that neighborhood, right? No, I'm actually from North Carolina, okay. man. So I, uh, out to uh, Cali uh, early, uh, actually after Y2K, so I've been out here for a while, so I consider myself a resident. But, uh, you know, Oak Park, man, it's all the same to me. You know, all the different communities. I'm like, I grew up in uh, North Carolina. My hometown was everything. So, yeah, so it's all the same to me, yeah. Good. And you, how, how long have you been brewing beer? Man, I've been home brewing for about uh, 15 years. Uh, commercially, I'll be coming up on a year in August. You know, so I was vetted by the owner of Oak Brewing, which is, this is a black-owned brewery. A lot of people don't know that. So it's a black-owned brewery. I was vetted by Kevin Johnson and uh, my buddy Jeff Scott. He'll be pop probably be popping in in a few minutes to uh, chime in. But, uh, yeah, I was vetted by those guys. It made sense. And, uh I got behind the vision, not so much the job. Awesome. So, what is what is the vision for all of us on on the east east end of the country that don't that aren't familiar with? Okay. So, with me, uh, even before I started brewing commercially, there's an untold untold history with blacks and beer. Mm. Most people, the average person, they think they know that, or they think that beer started in Europe, in Germany, but it's not, it goes all the way back to Africa. You know, they weren't using wheat, they were using the items like sorghum mm. to make beer. And uh, I just wanted to share that story. I know before prohibition, Sacramento was the capital. It was the Mecca of the United States. People came here to get beer. And, uh, you know, I just want to share that story. And I know blacks have a part, they played a part in that, but I'm trying to find that information, you know, because we're totally etched out of history in a lot of areas. So I know there's a history and I'm just constantly trying to find that information. Wow. Yeah. So that that's very interesting because I, I kind of had like a, like a pieced up history and knowledge of that um, going on in Africa, but I never really equated it or really connected the dots there. Um, and they always say that, you know, Beer is one of one of the older, you know, alcoholic beverages that was that were brewed, um, but I never really quite put that put that one together. That was really, that was yeah, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so there's a misnomer. Uh, I'm actually working on a program right now. I don't know if you guys know what groups are. So it's basically beers that are brewed without hops. 
So we're working on a program to showcase that, you know, because they didn't have hops in Africa. Right. You know, so they were using herbs, you know, herbs like different flowers, uh, you know, even like tree bark. So, mm. yeah, so we just want to educate people. So one of the things that Jeff and I or what Jeff and I follow out here is like we want to educate, create, and have fun, quality and consistency. So uh, we stick to those things, and that's what we do. Awesome. And to, to one of the questions here in the in the chat here, is is there a particular book or a source or a website um, where we can read up on this information? Uh, where do you go you to find your information? That's a great question. Like, the Internet's a beautiful thing if you know how to use it. You know, if you know how to use it. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah. But uh, I've had an opportunity to go to the historical library here in Sacramento. I got a little bit of information, but not a lot. And, uh, you know, even growing up in North Carolina, and I can share this with you guys right now. So with NASCAR, all of that started from bootleggers. My great uncle was a bootlegger. So those guys would get together and race their cars. So next thing you know, years down the line you got NASCAR mm. so you know it just seems like that little things they add up but uh you know once they get whitewashed you never hear about that until it's you know too late absolutely yeah. absolutely it's, it's kind of like the the black Canadian hockey team up there yeah, yeah, the, black guy. yeah. yeah. you, know, so yeah. you, you yeah. see yeah, it and then you see a picture and you're like that doesn't really feel right but it's like when you really sit down and contextualize the way history is taught and, you know, told to us, you know, it, it makes sense that there are things that we would never conceive to be true out there. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to get your take. I wanted to get your take on um, being black in the craft beer community, um, how, what your experience has been. Um, and, you know, do you, are, are you working on, um, really pushing to get people, black people in, and how are you doing that? I just want to get your thoughts um, on your experiences, you know, brewing. Okay. That's, that's a great question, man. So uh, I got introduced to the Belgian styles to Uncle Rob. Uncle Rob owns Urban Boots, Urban Roots Brewery and Smokehouse here in Sacramento. So he had a spot called Pangea Cafe which he showcased a bunch of Belgian beers. I fell in love with the Belgian beers. I like flavor. Yeah. The black people got flavor. You know, yeah. it's like, that turned me out. So, uh, you know, with that being said, I just had a lot of resources around me, like home brewers, commercial brewers, people with aspirations of open up their, opening up their own breweries. So I just plugged into it. I was like, hey, if I like beer this much, let me see how it's made. Let me go to some of these brew days. And I actually met Jeff, my co-brewer here at Oak Park. I met him 14 years ago at the former owners of this establishment at their brew day. Wow. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Like everything, all the planets fell in place to get me here now. But uh, some of the things that I've experienced in the beer world, uh, you know, I judge beers, you know, I go to beer competitions, I'm not certified, but I'm recognized and everybody, you know, it's like, you don't have to go to school to do anything. You know, if you have a passion to figure it out and pull those resources, you can make it happen. But uh, it's been a great experience uh, with Pangea Beer Cafe. 
there was a culture. You know, when you walked into that venue, there was all kinds of people, all skin tones. If you sat down, you were going to have a conversation with somebody about the beer. You know, so I love that aspect, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, Rob gave me an opportunity to do like a so-called business venture. It didn't make any money, but it catapulted that business into what it turned into and morphed into with his other business ventures because we created a culture. So that's why when you hear Uncle Rob, somebody was a part of building that business. So uh, I don't know, is there anything in specific that you want me to talk about as like as far as my experience? Um, I guess, have you seen, one, have you seen uh, more black people come into the fold over time? Um, and also kind of, you know, I know you've, you're in, you've only been in this position for a year now, but um, kind of the work in the community and, you know, bringing, bringing black people into the community. I know I talk about a lot and we've talked about earlier is, you know, bring, why, why bring black people into craft beer, you know? Why is this a predominantly white space? Um, maybe black people just don't like beer. And, it, you know, it's more about, to me, it's more about the opportunity um, and, you know, getting exposure to people into, into this, you know, into this uh, scene. You know, it's kind of just like the food, like I was saying earlier. It's just kind of like, you know, it's expensive, so you can't afford to eat there, so you're not going to afford to spend your money, you know, on the next step up. But you'll never be able to experience the next step up um, and really, you know, grow your palate, grow your experiences. Um, and I kind of feel like that's why, even though, you know, we're pushing for more Black people, more diversity in craft beer, but it's not just about craft beer. It's about pushing Black people into a space where they're, you know, where they're seen as normal in a space that's seen as cultured, more highbrow. Um, and that kind of has been historically associated with opportunity. So um, I'm kind of coming at it with a, you know, we push, we push to get more diversity in craft beer and we can kind of use these tools to push and get black people into other areas of life that they've been shut out uh, from because of the history of our country and the way that the system is working. Um, so I just wanted to get your perspective on kind of, you know, being in that scene for so long, um, was it hard to, was it hard to get the recognition you believe you deserve? Was it easy? Um, how have you worked in the community um, to push people towards craft beer, just kind of towards opportunity? Okay, that man, that's an awesome, awesome question. So I'm going to say it like this. You don't know what you can have until it's made available, right? Very true. Very true. So with that being said, uh, Commercially, I've only been brewing like close to a year, but I've been around the beer community for almost like 15 years. I was doing other things. You know, I'm all, I do, I wear many hats. So there was always resources. I was always the only one. 
You know, it's like even with me, you guys will probably learn more about this, but, uh, you know, my background, my passion is music. So at an early age, I was playing a different style of music, and I was always that guy, the token guy, token Raj. So, you know, just having an opportunity to learn more about beer, I was primed for this. I grew up in the South. You know, it's like when I walk into a room, I know what it is. You know, it's like I'm conscious about where I am, who's around me, but my objective is to get the information, you know, so that I can move forward in life. You know, but through my experience with beer, there's some people, negative people out there. You know, there are some positive people. But what I've learned is, like, you surround yourself by good people, you're going to grow. You know, I wouldn't be in, a, be in a position that I'm in right now if I wasn't surrounded by good people. You know, uh, as far as, like, getting black people into craft beer, one of my favorite questions to ask when I'm sitting down with somebody, what don't you like about beer? A lot of people are like, oh, it's just too bitter. Oh, I know how to navigate this situation. So, hey, try this beer out, you know. We do fruited beers really well at Oak Park Brewing. We haven't done a lot of them, but the ones that we've done, you know, when people taste them, they're like, oh, my God, I never knew you could do this with beer. So it's just taking the time and the effort to sit down and have a conversation with a person. Uh, I'll give you guys an example. So uh, a lady came in probably like two weeks ago. I'm approachable. Jeff's approachable. She's like, hey, sit down and talk to me about beer. 45 minutes later, you know, she's coming back for our Juneteenth beer just because it's something different. You know, so just being approachable and sharing knowledge. You got to acquire knowledge to share it. You know, so don't be selfish. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, definitely, it definitely did. Um, you know, just, just getting people that don't have the opportunities to, you know, be more curious and not knock something down um, because it's foreign to them. Because um, I think it kind of, there, there's kind of, you know, you, put, you take opportunity from someone and then they know what they know. And it takes a special type of person or a particular type of person to be the curious person to push at those boundaries and say, you know, this is kind of weird. I never knew this, but I want to try this. Um, and that's a very particular type of person. Um, when we're talking about beer, we're talking about an adventurous person that wants to taste something new and will go out and do it. Um, but there's more people that would like it or would be capable um, in, in, in the craft beer scene or in anything such as, you know, math, science, or anything of that nature, politics, law, but they just don't know that they have that knack because they weren't given the opportunity to try it. Um, and that's, that's why I was, that's what I, that's kind of why I was asking that question in terms of, you know, how do you talk to these, to people that, you know, might be reserved and might be kind of, I don't know about this, you know, especially because you're now, you're brewing in, in the place where, where you, where you've been residing for so long, you know, kind of, you know, this is, this is kind of like a community thing now. So how, how you bring people on, I think, is, is very important. Um, 
the other thing I wanted to ask you though is um, one: what's your favorite? What's your favorite beer style? Man, uh, that's that's an awesome question. You know, it's it, I had to learn to appreciate all styles. You know, as a brewer and a home brewer, you know, and and I'll share a quick story with you. So, Jeff and I brewed our first hazy beer last year in August. We did a collaboration with two other breweries. I'd never brewed brewed a hazy. Uh, Jeff had a couple hazy brews under his belt. But uh, we work in reverse. What don't we like about the hazies that we've tasted? You know, so we use that analogy, like, to get to where we want to be with our beers. You know, so if somebody wants to try something different, it's just like they got to step up. You know, it's like somebody's going to have some knowledge and, and guide them. You know, so the first thing is just stepping up. I, did I answer your question? <laughs> I got a drifting off. Somebody walked by and distracted me. So, you know, did I, did I answer your question? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I've always been curious as to um, – also, another question, as I've always been curious as to, you know, the process of coming up with, with these different things. And it's almost like a, you know, there, there's a science to it for sure, um, but there's an art to it as well, I, I would assume. Um, how, how do you, um, you know, how do you brainstorm and kind of come up with these different things? Are you drawing on the past? Are you drawing on other inspirations? Um, or is it just coming to you, you know, in a dream or something, something like that? Okay, that's that's a good question as well. So, uh, you know, with our, I'll use our Juneteenth beer for an example. You know, I wanted to do something different, and I wanted to educate people. So uh, Jeff was like, "Hey, so what are your thoughts?" You know, I was like, "Hey, let's do something with sorghum." So with sorghum, sorghum's naturally gluten-free. You know, so I was like, wow, this could be our first gluten-reduced beer. So I did my research on sorghum. Uh, you know, it's like after doing that research, I was like, hey, people are going to gravitate towards this, and then we're going to tie it into the history of Africa and brewing beer. So with that being said, you know, it's like <laughs> it happened again, man. <laughs> Like I'm getting distracted. So no, that's time. So I'm like, there are people like walking around me, man. No, that, that's yeah. fine. And actually, actually, Raj, uh, I'm coming up on an hour here on the video. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna. No, that's fine. I think what, what I'm gonna do is we're gonna cut we're gonna cut the video and we're gonna come right back and continue the conversation, okay. uh, just so we don't okay. get cut off here. So join us back in All about right. a minute. Okay, I'm gonna make sure that nobody cuts through because I'm like, man, there's too much traffic, and I'm I'm like ADD, like you know, you guys are messing me up. So yeah, yeah so I'll sign off, and I'll see you guys in a second. All right, see you in a minute. All right, peace.